Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Well, you all must have not got the note. You must have not got the note because the second Sunday of Easter, the Sunday after Easter, is nicknamed Low Sunday. And that's when everybody thinks that because of all the Holy Week services and the Easter celebration, they get to take a Sunday off from worship. Um, but here you are. It is great to be back at Christ Church. And um, I was just here in January. I know Bishop Iker then followed me, and then Bishop Ackerman's been here every other week. So having a bishop around is no longer a novelty for you. But we are celebrating confirmations today, and that is, for me, one of the most exciting things to do as a bishop, uh, baptisms and confirmations. Now, every year on this Sunday where most people don't come to church, we have the gospel lesson where Jesus, the risen Jesus, encounters the apostles in the upper room. And we have just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. So I'd have to say everything we believe as Christians, in fact, the foundation of our worldview, the way in which we see reality, is all grounded in the fact that Jesus is alive and that tomb was empty. As we prepare to celebrate confirmations this morning, I want to look at the empty tomb, but I want to see all of its fullness. First, we have to be clear, the tomb that held the body of Jesus Friday night and all day Saturday and into Sunday morning was literally empty. Jesus rose from the dead and walked out of that tomb. And the empty tomb is, in fact, the centerpiece, along with the cross, of all Christian proclamation. As Christians, everything we believe about the Christian faith stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus. As St. Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. We're still dead in our sins and we make God out to be a liar. And those who've died are gone forever. And we're the most pitiful of all people if we believe something that didn't happen. The fact is, Jesus did rise from the dead and the tomb was empty. Evidence of the resurrection and the empty tomb is found right here this morning. The fact that we're still gathering 2,000 years later and celebrating his death and resurrection at this altar. But it's also found in evidence of what happened to the disciples. When we started our gospel lesson this morning, we read that they were hiding in fear they were hiding behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. And then in our reading from Acts today, they're boldly proclaiming Jesus with signs and wonders, preaching the gospel even to the point of martyrdom. But then there's also the fact that the Jewish leaders and the Roman government had to make an explanation for the empty tomb by spreading the rumor the disciples had stolen his body. There is no doubt the tomb was empty. In what must have been a fearful spectacle, the same power of God that created this universe is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it must have been amazing. So amazing, in fact, that a company of hardened Roman soldiers literally fainted. So amazing. And just to be clear, on Sunday morning, as the women came to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, as Peter and John run to the tomb to confirm what the women had said happened, it was, in fact, empty. But what no one could have known in that moment was just how full the empty tomb was. First and foremost, the empty tomb was full of promise. With the empty tomb comes the promise of forgiveness of sins. There is the promise of everlasting life as one day we too will be raised in glory with Christ. There is the promise of fellowship with God through Christ. There's the promise of peace. 
the same peace that Jesus gives to apostles in the upper room. And there is the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit, which puts into action all the promises of God in our lives. And here's the thing about promises. I can promise my daughter that I'll take her for ice cream after work, but then I get a hospital call, or I realize there was a really good baseball game that was going to be played that night. There's all kinds of reasons we come up with to fail to keep our promises, but God never does. He always keeps his promises. By his very nature, he is faithful. So if God has promised something, we can be certain he will deliver. The empty tomb was full of promise. But the empty tomb was also full of power. The same power, as I said, that God demonstrated in creation, creating everything out of nothing, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it's the same power that you and I now have access to through the gift of the Holy Spirit. One New Year's Day in the Tournament of Roses parade, a beautiful float suddenly sputtered and quit. It was out of gas, and the whole parade backed up then until someone could find a can of gas and and fill the, the truck up. The amusing thing was this float represented the Standard Oil Company. With all of its vast oil reserves, its truck was out of gas. You know, the Christian life can be draining. Life itself can be draining. But God gives us his spirit so that we never have to run out of gas. The transforming love of Jesus Christ is the power working in us that can do infinitely more than we can even ask or imagine. That's what we're celebrating today with confirmation, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the life of the believer. And those who are publicly affirming their faith in Jesus as Savior and their willingness to follow him as Lord will have hands laid on their head and will call upon God the Holy Spirit to be stirred up in them so that they can both live out the Christian life as well as serve Christ and his kingdom. God gives us the power to serve him, to build up his kingdom, and to live kingdom lives. When we start thinking that we can't overcome sin or we can never be the kind of person God intended us to be, that is Satan trying to convince us to ignore God's power in our life. By virtue of faith and baptism and because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, we have the gift of God the Holy Spirit in our lives who pours out this power in us for his glory and his honor. The empty tomb was full of power. But the empty tomb was also full of purpose. After leaving the tomb, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and the other women, and then he spends the better part of the day walking with two disciples to Emmaus and teaching them about the Messiah. He then appears in the upper room, passing through those locked doors. And as he speaks to the apostles, he gives his church purpose. As the Father has sent me, so now I send you. The empty tomb gives us purpose, and that is to share the saving death and resurrection of Jesus with everyone we possibly can. Behind all of this is our greater purpose, and that is to bring glory to God. That's why we were created. Every soul that turns to the risen Savior and begins following him as Lord glorifies the Father, and that is the biggest part of our purpose as Christians. We can have other purposes stemming from our place or the vocation God has put us in, whether it's father or wife or teacher or doctor, but our primary goal and purpose is to glorify God. Christians without goals or purpose are a little bit like Alice in the fairy tale Alice in Wonderland. There's a conversation between her and Cheshire Cat. Cheshire Cat. Alice asks, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. 
then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. It matters eternally which way we choose to go. St. John, at the end of his gospel, tells us the purpose for writing his gospel, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name, divine life, and certainly eternal life, but divine life even now in this life comes through that gift of the Holy Spirit. And by turning to Jesus, by turning towards heaven, we are each given purpose and meaning, and that is to glorify God (coughs) and to enjoy him forever. So the empty tomb is full of purpose. How can we receive the fullness of Easter? How can we grab onto those promises and the power and the purpose of God? with the same proclamation of faith that we heard from Thomas this morning. When Jesus shows up eight days later, Thomas sees him and immediately acknowledges him as my Lord and my God. Through faith, through perseverance, through obedience, we accept God's promises, we experience his power in our lives, and we live out his purpose to his glory and honor. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed.